Hi everyone and welcome back to the podcast and for those that are new here it's good to have you. So in this episode of the Life Cycle Lady podcast I'm going to be celebrating my one year mark. It's been a whole year since I've been doing this podcast and I'm feeling pretty excited about what I've created and really proud of what I've put out there. So I am actually going to be doing something I've been wanting to do for a while, and that is share my own story. And I share my own story because it is of a path of healing itself, and I find stories to be very inspiring when I hear other people's stories, and I do feel like my story is uh, is definitely an inspiring story. Um... And one that women can definitely relate to. After working with women for over two decades now, my story, your story, a lot of our stories have a whole lot of overlap. Although they are all very unique, there's also a whole lot of overlap. So I'm going to be sharing my story today of my own journey towards creating greater health, wellness, and whole body living in my own life. So I hope you enjoy it. Welcome to the Life Cycle Lady Podcast, the place to be to discover a deeper connection to your whole self. My name is Julie Hughes, and I'm your host. This podcast is my answer to the deep connection of working with women for over two decades and seeing how similar our internal whispers are. I explore topics that shine a light on these whispers that women speak to me as a professional and bring a voice to it in this space. This podcast explores the whole of us and gives you real life mind body spirit tools to bring into your life to create more whole and alive from the inside out. You can find more about the work that I'm up to over on thelifecyclelady.com. Hope you enjoy the episode. All right. So, I'm Hello everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Life Cycle Lady. And if you're new here, I'm glad to have you. So this week I'm actually going to be celebrating my one year mark of doing this podcast. I'm incredibly proud of myself and excited and um, yeah. So I'm going to be sharing in this episode actually my own story. This is something I've never done before but I wanted, I wanted, have been wanting to do it for a while, and I feel like it's really going to be helpful to everyone out there because my own story is actually one of a path of healing, right? And so some of the work or a lot of the work that I actually do with women is based on work that I've done in my own life, research that I've done in my own life. Obviously, I also draw on my midwifery background as well as my holistic hormonal health but a lot of it is kind of more of the what I've discovered through working with women and also through I've discovered on my own healing journey. So, and that healing journey is really of a path towards wholeness, toward greater wholeness of the mind, body, and spirit. So hopefully you're going to enjoy this episode because who doesn't love a good story? And I'm kind of a quirky person. So uh, I hope you find a lot of good nuggets and recognition in this Um, episode. Um, So, so let's start. I think my, my goal of doing this episode is I really want to share my own journey on how particularly 
how I went from being incredibly adrenal fatigued, having a bit of an autoimmune, some autoimmune non, not diagnosed, but pretty much having rheumatoid arthritis that is not diagnosed, and just kind of my journey through my life as a mom, as a midwife, and as a woman. And the reason why I'm sharing this story really is because it is so reflective of where so many people that I now work with are. Um, And I think it's really, really helpful for me to share not only just my story, I'll probably be sharing stories of people that I've worked with over the decades. So I I actually think I'm going to start a little bit at the beginning. I'm not going to give you a full life biography by any means, but I do want to set the stage a little bit for... Welcome to the Life Cycle Lady Podcast, the place to be to discover a deeper connection to your whole self. My name is Julie Hughes, and I'm your host. This podcast is my answer to the deep connection of working with women for over two decades and seeing how similar our internal whispers are. I explore topics that shine a light on these whispers that women speak to me as a professional and bring a voice to it in this space. This podcast explores the whole of us and gives you real life mind-body-spirit tools to bring into your life to create more whole and alive from the inside out. You can find more about the work that I'm up to over on thelifecyclelady.com. Hope you enjoy the episode. Kind of who I was even as a kid. So I like to say that I feel like I was born into a 40-year-old's body. And I say that because when I was a kid, all I wanted to be when I grew up was 40. I thought something magical, and and I have to say that my mom was a very young mom. She had me when she was 18, so even when I was 18, my mom wasn't even 40. So this wasn't coming from that. This was just coming from this kind of internal knowing that something happened for me or for women around the age of 40. And I was so excited to be old. And so I would always tell people I was older than I was. And not because I wanted to, you know, get into a bar or something like that. It was just because I wanted to, I couldn't wait to be 40, right? I couldn't wait to be older. There was something that happened for me, for women, when they got older. I also really connected and disconnected from my body all at the same time. So I definitely was a tomboy and I mostly enjoyed the company of being around boys. I enjoyed sports. Even in my like college years, I mostly hung out with males. Um, but there was something that was really amazing to me about the female body And I guess from what I saw around me, I wasn't really sure why I had that knowing that it was amazing because everything I kind of saw around me in terms of culture, especially at that time in, you know, the early 80s, I wouldn't say that the female body was really revered um, in any way, shape or form. I mean, my own period story, I had a horrible periods. I would have them for two weeks. I would have to stay home. I would... Have I actually ended up getting diagnosed with a flipped ovary, and um, which was causing a lot of the pain and discomfort, and also was told that I would never, I, that it would be harder for me to have babies. And I can tell you four babies in, <laughs> that was probably a dumb thing for a doctor to tell me at a very young age. 
Um, but I, I really had this like deep connection and also deep disconnection with my body from a, from a really young age. And I think that that's very common, right? There was nobody really talked to me about, about puberty. No one really talked to me about sex. That was something that I had an hour long class in school for, but there was just this mystery around it that for some people can be turned into shame and embarrassment. But for me, it was like, it still was very incredible and special and I just didn't know what it was. And I didn't really know where to go looking for it. And so in college, I went to college and I entered college as a psychology major, actually. And I quickly learned that 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 I loved it, but that wasn't going to be the space for me. And so I just happened to take a women's history course and I ended up going the route of women's studies, focusing on women's health. And in that, I learned about midwifery. I'd never heard about midwifery or what a midwife was. And so I followed my journey through both self-exploration and also exploration of the world by going traveling after I graduated from college. I think I had $1,000 and I went up to the... um, then it was a travel agency on, in the college town where I lived and asked where the cheapest plane ticket was. And it, was, it happened to be New Zealand. And New Zealand, this was before Lord of the Rings. It was before New Zealand became a popular, well-known place. And I had no idea. I just asked if they spoke English. And I got a ticket to New Zealand. And there I met midwives everywhere I went. Um, it was very interesting that I'd heard about this thing, midwifery, and then everywhere I went, I found midwives from other countries, midwives from New Zealand. I ended up going to tour the university there that um, for midwives. And so I quickly decided very, very quickly, there was a very big knowing that I was going to come back to New Zealand. I was going to get one of the three spots for international students, and I was going to be a midwife, Right. So there was this big, if anybody's ever out there that has gone traveling after school, there was just a lot of kind of revolutions and evolutions that happened inside of me. Because I grew up with an amazing mom who was a stay-at-home mom and a dad who worked outside of the house a lot, right? And there was the pretty traditional quote-unquote marriage where my mom took care of the kids and took, did all those sorts of things and my dad went and made the money. And it was very, I guess you could say very patriarchal, right? The idea. For some reason, I have a really hard time with that word, actually, even though I'm a women's studies major, because I feel like people use it nowadays to blame, not the system of patriarchy, but to blame men who, in my opinion, yes, maybe do benefit in some ways from patriarchy, but are also just born into the system themselves, right? And so I don't like this idea of blaming people one sex or another for the system that we're all in and some benefit more than others. Anyways, that's a very big side note. So I went to school to be a midwife and then I came back and I met my husband there And we came back to the United States. He is not actually a New Zealander. He's English. And we came back and we found out we were pregnant. And so we had to go through all of the immigration things to get him here. And in the meantime, I actually gave birth 
two days after or before my husband got his residency. So he was not there with me. I gave birth at home to my first child 16 years ago. And um, it really sat me on this journey of the exploration of my own body. Because what I realized was, although I love to talk about women's health and be with women, I had never really experienced my own body and being embodied in a way that made me feel powerful until I gave birth, right? There was always this knowing. So I hope that I've got this across from the very beginning of my life. There was this knowing of the power of women. Sometime, somehow I was born with that and I didn't lose that like so many of us do. I was born with the knowing of this incredible, unique power that women have, right? I was also born or created with the culture of my family of origin as well as the culture we live in, all of the ideas of perfectionism, all of the ideas of what it means to be a good mom, all of the ideas of what it means to be emotional in the world and what emotions are good and what emotions aren't okay. All of these things kind of contributed to a pretty intense uh, first few years of my kiddo's life, right? I would say the birth, even though it was 26 hours long, was pretty easy compared to the actual transition into parenting. It was a pretty hard tra transition for me. One, because I was still doing births and doing all of those things because because I was a feminist and told that we could do it all, right? We could, we could have the job, we could have the family, we can do it all. We are super women and women are so strong and amazing. And so I totally bought that. And I'm not saying that women can't do it all by any means. I'm just saying that women, when we do it all, we have, and when anybody, it doesn't matter if you're a woman or a man, when you do it all, there is a repercussion to your mind, body, spirit, right? Our bodies tell us. Our bodies tell us when we're pushing it too hard. And for, for some of us, and I was in this category, I could push myself really hard for a really long time. And my body would, you know, speak to me in some ways, but I would just ignore them because I am in control of my life and I want to do what I want to do and I want to be what I want to be. And so when, you know, the emotional storminess of being a mom, when the emotional storminess of just being a woman in the world and trying to do all of the things and serve all of the people at the level that I thought was good way to serve all of the people, it could only go on for so long. And so I really, I, so I want to give you an example of this, right? So when my, I think I had two kids at this point, I had this idea that when I would go to a birth, that when I would come home, which always happened to be right as everyone was waking up in the morning, that I was then going to be a mom all day long. Like I would consider myself a stay-at-home mom, really. And so I would go to work at night and do birth at night, which is when births mostly happen. And then I would go home and be, try and be a mom all day. And so, 
you know, I'm in my 30s at this point. It's not really affecting my early 30s. It's not really affecting my health so much at this point. And one day I came home and I was out all night and I got home and my kiddo, I don't remember how old I was, maybe he was five at this point. He asked me to read him a book. He had just finished his breakfast and so I sat down to read him a book and my husband's like, you need to go to bed, you need to go to bed, you need to go to bed. And I was like, no, no, I'm going to be a mom. And I miss my kids. I want to be a mom. I want to be a good mom, right? And so I can do it. I can see it. And so I sat down to read him a book. And halfway through the book, I woke up to him saying, Mama, 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 wake up, wake up. Mama, I think you need to go to bed. I think you need a nap, right? So I, it was a big, it's, it's something in my memory that I'm never, ever going to forget. It was my son telling me at a very, very young age to take care of myself, right? And it really, it was just one of those moments that you, I'm sure you have them. It's just one of those moments that all of this realization comes in about like, oh my God, like I just had my five-year-old told me to go to bed. And I would never just tell myself to go to bed. I would never let myself go to bed. I would never let myself take care of myself. I didn't even, most of the women I talk to nowadays say, well, I have to earn self-care. Or I have to earn my break. But at that point, I didn't even feel like I had to earn it. I just felt like I didn't get to have it, right? I just got to be the superwoman who served all the people all the time because I wanted to do all the things, right? It's, this isn't just me saying I didn't want to do them. I actually lived a blessed life that I wanted to do all of those things for people. But yeah, my body, your body shuts down and it doesn't matter if you don't have, you know, you're not a midwife and you don't sleep at night. It's going to shut down no matter what job you have, even if you're just a mom, just a mom, just a mom of two kids, like that stays at home, as if that's such an easy job, right? And you feel like you don't get to take time for yourself or take care of yourself because you're always taking care of other people, right? That that it's lazy to to sit around and just stare at the ceiling for five minutes or to take a, of some breaths or that it's selfish to go out if you're you know, still nursing and you want to go to a yoga class or all of the things that I've heard people say. And so it was this big, big awakening. And yet, even though that awakening happened, I still didn't change my life, right? I probably did. I mean, I know I did start taking more naps and things during the day and just kind of eased off myself, right? But the thing is, I kept on going and kept on going. And then I had my third child. My third child had colic. And despite all of the natural and unnatural things that we did, seven months in, he finally stopped crying the six plus hours a day that he cried. Probably a lot more. Every day, at least six hours, unless we were bouncing him. It was intense. It was really, really intense. I still was a midwife, I still was a mama, I still did all the things, and it really made me have to question about 
all of the things I was doing and how the level that I was doing and holding myself at and what did it mean to be successful and what did it mean to serve others if I wasn't serving myself because I just started to completely break down. Break down mentally from the lack of sleep, break down physically from uh, just being and holding this kiddo so much in a different way than I'd ever have to held a kiddo before. To see him in pain, to think about all the things that I could or couldn't be doing, or did I cause this in some way, or just all of the things. And it was really hard because it was a very good pregnancy and it was an amazing birth. It was an actual ecstatic birth of dancing and singing and giggling and the things that you hear people talk about that I thought, well, birth is, is fine. It's I'm fine with birth, but it was actually an ecstatic birth, right? And so I just became very clear that I couldn't do things at the level that I was doing them anymore. And that my body was really starting to complain in very big ways. Like I, all of my joints were hurting all the time. Like I couldn't put my own weight on my wrists because they were so sore. My wrists were sore all the time. My fingers and joints, my elbows, right? Arthritis, basically. Rheumatoid arthritis. So midwives have a very, very high rate of autoimmune disease, right? It's because of all the lack of sleep. Even if they are going home and sleeping, they're still just interrupting that sleep cycle. I think a lot of people who are up at night probably have a similar story. Plus all of the of stress that can come in sometimes with birth and sometimes it's not stressful and beautiful but sometimes it is right and so all of this and I'm not blaming the job I'm blaming myself and how I was how I thought through my cultural programming and my family of origin what I thought being successful was what I thought being a successful mom was what I thought being a good mom was what I thought uh about how I wanted to show up in my marriage, how I wanted all of the things just really caused me to look at being perfect, look at, uh, yeah, just all of those things that we think we have to do and have to be, have to have your house clean, you have to do this, you have to do that, you have to do this. And so, and I, I do remember thinking like, oh, I can sleep when I'm dead. Like, I can just push through this. I got this. Like, no big deal. And for a long time, that's how I felt. Like, I felt fine if I didn't sleep. I felt great, actually, sometimes. There's this, like, adrenaline and endorphins that just kicks in, and you just feel great for a while, right? And I've had a lot of moms say, like, oh, if I sleep more than six hours, I'm lazy. Or that evening time is for me, right? That's me time. And then I asked, what do you do with that me time? And I would say the same thing, like I would watch a show or something. And But there's nothing to fill you back up. It's like you just give and give and give and give all of the time. And it's often because you want to, right? It's not because you think you have to, although sometimes there's that in play as well. But it's that we think as women that we want to give all the time. That we have so much to give. And then at some point, that well kind of runs a little dry if we don't fill our own well. And so that is something that I would always talk to women about, especially when they were pregnant. But it was not something I did very much myself. That idea of putting the oxygen mask on yourself first or you know, filling your own well. That to me was like, oh, I need to go to the gym 
or, oh, I need to, I don't know what else I used to do for myself, read a book, or, oh, I need to do this. It was like a thing that I would have to go out and schedule, and I never would make myself a priority. And I think that is, I know that is incredibly common for so many of us. It's like we have those to-do lists, and we are definitely not on those to-do lists. And what I know is that that works for a while and then it stops working. And mostly that looks like some sort of a breakdown happens in our bodies, our minds, or our spirits. We feel soul tired. I don't know if you've ever felt soul tired, but I have felt soul tired in my life. You feel some sort of an illness comes on. For me, it was this idea, this adrenal fatigue where my hair even started falling out. I started having panic, panic attacks in public. I started, um, just all my hormones were, I mean, I can tell you lots of, that my hormones were way out of whack. Plus I had all of these aches and pains in my body that, that just didn't go away, right? And so I was like, oh my God, I'm not that old and I'm having all of these things, right? And so one day, my husband and I, for lots of different reasons, decided to move to Maui. We decided, because we we used to go there and, and spend a lot of time there during the holiday season, but we decided that why would such an amazing part of life, such a slower pace of life, we want that. And so we sold every single thing we owned, including our house, which was like all of our savings, and we moved to an island in the middle of nowhere where for the first time in my life since I was 15 years old, I wasn't going to work. I was just, I love this word, just, I was just going to homeschool my then three kids. And my husband was going to work and we were going to live there. And what I found was my pace of life slowed down so much and all of the things came up. All of the things that I was too busy to push through and ignore and all of the emotions, all of the physical things, it all got worse. I cried like every damn day for a while. I think my kids must have thought I was going crazy. I would go to the bathroom and I would cry and there was no reason for crying and I could have really really judged myself and said oh my god I must be depressed or I must have a lot of anxiety and could have gone down that route like could have you know gone down the drug route and I'm not knocking you if you're on drugs um I do think that there is a, a hormonal component but I also think there's a lot of women out there that is there is no actual deficiency we are just going on them because Life is really, really rough and we don't have the support or people telling us that life is going to get better and all of the things that we can do to kind of pull us out of these times, right? And so I was in that time. There was nothing, there was hormonal stuff going on, but there wasn't like that kind of thing hormonally going on. I definitely had adrenal fatigue. I started having panic attacks. We would be out in public and I would just, and I've never had that before. I've always had like a low bit of anxiety. I'm kind of a little introverted person. And so big groups are just a little hard for me. But I mean, full-fledged crying, panic attacks. My hair started falling out. 
I started having really wonky periods. I was having a real hard time sleeping. At this point, my kiddo was, you know, a year and a half my third, so he was out of his colic phase. So he was sleeping, but I was now not sleeping. And it's just feeling exhausted still, despite a move around the world where I thought everything was going to slow down and I was going to feel better. I was now feeling worse. And I was judging myself for feeling worse. And what I now know, like, what, nine years down the road on this healing journey, is that when you stop and actually listen to your body and allow the space to actually be in your body and listen to that, when you stop the busy, it does get a little worse for a while. It gets a little louder for a while. Like, that's part of it. It's like your body's finally like, oh, you're going to listen to me. And so it's like that. I always use this analogy of like a kiddo who's like, mom, 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 right? They start to yell if you don't answer them. This is kind of the same for, for your body, right? And so finally I was listening and it was like really screaming at me. It had probably already been screaming at me, but I was just really fully listening to the depths of the screams that were going on inside. And so I decided I was going to go on this journey of like self-care. Self-care became my new mantra, right? This is what I thought was going to heal it all. The idea of self-care that I had was this like idea still of doing. I had to do this for myself. I had to do that for myself. But not so much of this idea of being. Being in my body. Being with my breath being in my emotions, right? I was still, like, I was crying because I couldn't stop. But I wasn't, like, like, I went, like in birth, right? So I have this analogy in birth that when you're having a contraction, they feel really big and strong and huge, and they feel like they can take you over. And so if you're able to... And this is a very, like, thing I remember people talking about before I had a baby. But if you're able to be with a contraction and, like, stay in the contraction, you can actually, like, surf it to the other side. And it, it's actually, like, you're with it. And it, it doesn't feel like it's going to take you under. You can ride it, basically. And then in my third and fourth birth, I felt like I could ride it, actually. And it was fun. That wasn't the case with my first and second. I think I remember my second, I didn't ride the waves very well. And I think I remember saying I, that I wanted off the ride. But when you resist the contraction, it becomes bigger. It takes you under. It feels like it's never going to end. Then you think about the time. Then you think about the progress. Then you think about all the things that you're being measured by. Then you think about, am I going to do this forever? And then you think about the pain. And then it becomes bigger and all of those sorts of things. That's kind of how I was with my emotions, right? I was having so many big emotions, but yet I was still not riding them. I was not being with them. I was just, they were taking me over and I was drowning in them. I was just drowning in them. And then I was judging them constantly. Rather just than just what I do now, which is allow the emotions to be expressing them, like tears I feel sadness, tears come. It doesn't even have to be a story. Most often there's no story attached to them. They flow out, they go away, and then we move on, right? 
that was definitely was not my experience at this point in my life. And so I had this idea for self-care. I tried to find it, but I was still hanging on to, now I'm homeschooling. I'm on to the idea of this, what this perfect homeschooling situation is. And I'm not doing it right. And I'm not doing enough. And I'm not good enough. And I'm not valuable enough. And oh my God, all of those deep-rooted things that we ha- hold as women. Not enough. Not enough. It's also the first time in my life that I wasn't making any money. And my husband was making the money. And that was really... And my husband has always made money. It's just we both made money together. Out of necessity, really. But this time we were living off of our savings for a while at least. And um, that was pretty huge too. So there's like all these identity pieces going on. Like a, like a crisis really, right? Like a midlife crisis. Because at this point I'm in my midlife, right? I'm also in perimenopause. I'm past the age of 35. So I cry, we go through, I don't want to go too much into, I mean, I I don't want this to be hours long podcast. So I just say, let's just say I started on my journey. This was the beginning of my journey of self-care. And we had to move or we chose to move back to the state, to the mainland after about a year. And we came back and I started midwifery again. Started taking on clients, old clients only. I thought, that'll be easy. I'll just take on old clients. And immediately, all my symptoms, which had now gone away, or not gone away, but were very much not yelling at me anymore. They got way better. They all came crashing back immediately. So I think I did a year's worth of births, and then I stopped again. And I haven't started back up. And so... I started going on this journey of self-care and really digging into what the hell self-care actually meant. Because this whole idea of me going to a yoga class or me getting a massage or me this, there was a lot of damn barriers in the way, like economically and time. That wasn't going to work for me. So how could I put an oxygen mask on in different ways? And so I really started exploring how could I get self-care all day long given what I had. So that I could then share it with people despite where the hell they are in life. Despite if they have five jobs or if they have no money or if they have five kids or if they have no kids or all of the things. And so I did go on this journey and I found it. I found it all day long, all throughout my day. Ways of taking care of myself. Like, so simple. Like, for a long time I used to hold my pee in. And I don't even know why I did it. It was like I was doing this and then I was doing that and then I was making lunch and then I was doing this and I had to get this kid down for now. And, da, 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 da. and so I was like, when I have to go pee, I'm going to go pee. And when I have to drink water, I'm going to drink. And like novel ideas, right? When and, and then it was like, oh, when I'm in the bathroom, I'm actually going to take some time for myself. I'm going to shut the door, lock the door. I'm going to breathe inside, like really intentionally breathe. And then, and it just created these little doors and little openings for myself to step into. To step into, wow, why why the fuck would I think that was a good idea? Like, where did that even come from? To step into, like, that inner, like, some of those weeds that had grown inside of, like, where did that idea come from? And who's who put that there? Or why did I buy into that? But also just space inside for me to feel better. And sometimes 
when we feel so crappy, we don't actually even know we're feeling so crappy and we don't know that there's a way out of that box to feel better. And we definitely don't want to buy into this idea that it be, can be really simple. It seems like we, we want to put up a lot of things to make it really, really hard, right? We make things way harder than it needs to be. So I just kept asking myself, what can I do for myself that's free, immediately available, and I can do right now? And I found so many different things. And then it started just tapping me more into my own inner self and more connection to my inner state. Rather than being ahead and thinking all the time, it led me to be more connected like I was when I was a kid, right? That knowing became really, really strong and really, really loud because I started listening to myself started finding that voice and listening and it got really, really loud and sometimes a little bossy, right? And so that, I didn't take any drugs. I didn't, I did take some supplements. I didn't take any of the things that most people feel like we need to take. And again, it's not judging you if that's your story, that's your story. This is my story. I'm just saying there is other ways that we aren't shown, We aren't shown all of the ways that just the way we live impact our hormones, right? Not that our hormones are out of balance because that's what hormones do when you get older and you're in perimenopause, right? I'm in my mid-40s. Like, that that doesn't matter to me. That's not my experience. My experience is how I live my life, the amount of going and perfection and I'm not lovable and all of those like inner stories causing the stress, which actually does affect the hormones. So doing that mind, body, spirit, wholeness and connection is huge, huge for the state of your hormonal health and wellness. It's also just huge. Screw the hormones and the wellness, like just huge for your like enjoyment of life. Because I can tell you when I was doing all those things, I wasn't very present and I wasn't really enjoying it. I was just doing it because I thought that's the way it should be done. And I wanted to be a good mom and that was the idea. Rather than being a mom who's just really, really present and messes up. Right? Or a business owner who's really, really present and goes off goes off for a week because she's on her period. Like, I actually practice what I preach and living in cycles, and then finding out more. I'm a women's studies major, and I didn't, and I was a midwife, and it took me all of those years to, like, find out about my own body, and, like, share that with women, about all the shit we don't know about your body, right? And so just as a quick side note, I just realized, but if you happen to listen to this right when it comes out, I am doing on August the 12th, in the afternoon and mountain time, one o'clock mountain time, I'm doing a live chat on deepening your connection with your own female anatomy. So, you know, all the different parts that we have that we don't know about, that you probably don't know what you don't know. Um, so that's, it's free. It's in my free community, the Life Cycle Lady community. 
um, that you can find on my website, thelifecyclelady.com, or you can probably, I'll drop a link below. So that's a total side note just because I started talking about that, but that is the point. Like I didn't even know what I didn't know about my own body, even though I felt like I knew a lot compared to a lot of people. And so all of that, that knowing about our body, that inner connection, these are huge, huge, huge pieces of not just our physical wellness, but our mental and our emotional wellness. It is part of being a whole woman. And what I know from my own experience is around that midlife, around 35 or 40, and then I went on to have a whole nother kiddo, <laughs> right? Who's now five, so I still have a little person in my house. But if we don't, around 35, 40, that like kind of exploration, that crisis, that breakdown of our bodies in some way or hormones that often happens for women right around then for some women we can last a little bit longer it, it it doesn't make you better or worse or further gone or it doesn't really matter right this is just my story but the thing is what I know of working with women for two decades now is that my story and your story and her story and their story there's a lot of overlap like, we are very unique, but we are so not unique at the same time. And because I get to be on the receiving end of all those stories, it makes me feel like, oh, like, oh, I'm not alone in this, right? And then I mirror that back to women. But most of us are not talking about this. We're like, when we ask about how your day is, my day is fine. Yep, life's fine. Life's good. We don't be like, well, life is really, really hard, right? I don't want to be the Debbie Downer. I don't want to be this. I don't want to be that. Or we don't even talk about the deep stuff anymore. Maybe you have a few good girlfriends that do, but maybe your life is so busy that you don't even make that priority to chat with your, your girlfriends. Like part of that initial one of the things that happened in the, you know, women's lib, women's revolution is that women started coming together at least white women, in, in this, like, communities, they'd come together and they'd chat about stuff, right? And so women in circles nowadays are coming back and they're huge and powerful. And I have actually my own kind of women's circle, women's community, the Connected Women community. But a lot of women are doing this work. A lot of women are being more intentional about things that just don't work for us anymore and questioning them. And so I think that's why I'm recording this, recording this podcast because I am celebrating that it is a year old that I did a podcast for an entire year and I'm going to keep on going and keep on sharing my voice, but also to let you know that like I am not perfect. I have been on my own journey. I continue on my own journey deepening into this work and hoping to inspire other women to know that we're worth it and that we should spend the time connecting with ourselves. I can't tell you how many times, like, I, I do this puberty class and everyone's like, it signs up with no hesitation, right? They, it's a mother-daughter class. But when I try to tell women about their own bodies, like, I get a lot of resistance because I'm not going to spend time on myself and whatever. I'm not going to spend my money on myself and especially about that. Like, if I'm going to do it, it's going to be some, you know, a hairdo or something like that. It's a hard sell. Somehow we don't want to know ourselves and yet we desperately want to know ourselves at the same time. I think sometimes we're afraid of that like breakdown, like that year that I was in crying every day. It was a hard, intense year, I can tell you. It was also beautiful 
it was so beautiful in so many ways because the lighter the light, the darker the dark, right? You get to experience both of those parts of yourself, the breakdown, the breakthrough, the breakdown, the breakthrough. And so hopefully this podcast has inspired you in some way, shape, or form. And knowing that we're all on this journey and that um, you have your unique story, I have my unique story, and there's a whole lot of overlap. So hopefully you've heard some of that overlap. And um, let me know if you have any questions about the work that I'm up to, about working with me, about the communities. I have free ones. I have ones that are a membership. Um, but just send me an email or head on over to my website, thelifecyclelady.com. And if you would, send me a rating for this podcast. I'm a year in. I'd like to celebrate that and get people to actually start, more people to start hearing my voice. All right, everyone. I'll see you next week. Bye.